Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here with my buddy, Stephen Ellis. We are presented by ProLine, as always. And Stephen, let's kick it off as usual. Tell me what's going on in your league, my friend. I finally, well, I shouldn't say finally. It's now the second time I've now lost this season. Uh, it was a tough one where the team uh, I was playing against, I had a very good advantage where that guy, uh, he's currently on a trip in India. So by the time we get a lot of these roster um like are the the lineup decisions and stuff at starting goalies, it's like almost time to go to bed there. So uh, I wasn't able to use that to my advantage. Unfortunately, a lot of the guys I was betting on did not play very well, but uh, it's okay. I'm already off to a really good start this week. That's good. I know what you mean about the time zone advantage. I have a South Africa guy and a Dubai guy in my league, so it is harder for them. My league was it was exciting. I was against Michael Buble, the first place team last week. He was bragging all week. He was beating me going into Sunday. He was thinking he was going to win every single category, and I came back and beat him on Sunday. It was oh so sweet. His goalies imploded in that that crazy Jets game that was like 7-4 because he has Winnipeg goaltending, and I beat him. I slayed the Dragon, and now I'm back in the division lead. And uh, now what I'm trying to decide is whether to trade Trevor Zegers. I don't want to sell too low. He's not doing what I expected him to do, but it's a keeper league, so I'm a buyer team. Maybe I'll sell him. i got to think about that one. So let's dive into the pickup, Stephen. What's going on? All right, we're going to start with, uh, of course, the shallow pickup of the week, and we're going with a goaltender, Philip Gustafson. Yeah, it's weird for me to say a goaltender in a timeshare is worth picking up in a shallow league, but this is a sign of the times. There are so timeshares among goaltenders in the NHL are so common that a guy who's in a 1B role can even be usable in a shallow fantasy league. And we're seeing a pretty even split between him and Marc Andre Fleury in Minnesota. I know Fleury has picked up his play after a really poor start but we're still seeing an even timeshare i'm seeing in the last month gustafson 943 save percentage 1.60 goals against average he's only 24 years old mark andre fleury is 38 years old so even if his game's getting back on track there's going to be some load management there i think for fleury to keep him fresh for the playoffs so i think you're going to see this 50 50 split continue for the foreseeable future and gustafson he's showing some upside so i think he's absolutely worth starting whenever he's playing right now 
All right. This one, uh, the medium pickup of the week is Scott Lawton from Oakville, Ontario. I remember watching him playing some uh, a lot of hockey when I was growing up in Oakville. So uh, why do you like him? Yeah, Oakville Shadow. That's me too. And Nick Alberga as well. Uh, so Scott Lawton, I wrote down John Tortorella coach's pet, but we're seeing uh, his career ice time is I think it's 13 minutes and 54 seconds, or it was going into Monday's game. And he's up over 18 and a half minutes this season in Philadelphia. He's being used in all situations. And he's become sort of like a poor man's Sam Bennett in banger leagues where he does a little bit of everything available in 80% of leagues. Uh, and his, his 82 game pace going into last night's action was 26 goals, 46 points, 175 shots, 198 hits. So you're getting that nice little stat buffet. It's again, it's going to be someone who obviously fills out the depth part of your roster, but I just like that he contributes a little bit of everything right now. And there's a tiny bit of pedigree. You don't think of him as a skilled player, but this was a first round pick. He's sort of spent most of his career as a grinder, but he, it's not like he has no skill. So he's getting a bit of a bigger opportunity now and he's sort of running with it. All right. Next question or next uh, topic is the deep league pickup of the week. And this was actually going to be my prospect uh, to look at this week, but I've changed my mind uh, mostly because hey, he's now in the NHL, but I like it. Lucas Reichel. Yeah, and Lucas Reichel, you can also look at Steven's NHL prospect roundup on Daily Faceoff right now, which touches on Reichel, who got his call up. And last year, I thought he already showed everything he needed to show in the AHL. He had 57 points in 56 games. This year, he's back there again, which surprised me to start the year. 36 and 32. First game comes in, called up to the NHL uh, on the weekend, gets a goal and two assists, five shots on goal, immediately thrown onto that first line, which I love to see. And Yes, you could argue that the Hawks are going to dismantle. They're going to remove a lot of their best pieces in the weeks and months to come as the trade deadline approaches. So there might be no Patrick Kane or Max Domi or Jonathan Taves, Andreas Athanasiu. That's true. But Reichel is showing flashes of a player that can create offense on his own. And I don't think he's going to be hurting for opportunities. So uh, to me, this is someone who's going to be probably a top six forward for the rest of the season, uh, at least once the Hawks start making trades, if not already right now. So in a deep league, I think there's some upside. I don't know if there was any rush to keep him there, but obviously just kind of seeing what he's been able to do in the AHL. He's the top U21 player in terms of points. I think he's second in U25 scoring. So this is a guy that's putting up incredible numbers. I, I think at this point, uh, we're not going to see much more AHL action for him. And for the WTF pickup of the week, and of course, just like every week in this, uh, this guy is not taken in my pool, Robert Thomas. And it's funny. So Robert Thomas is a guy, he's available in 42% of leagues. Um, and he's someone that... I occasionally harp on in fantasy circles because I call him a two-category player. He's really helpful in assistant points, but he contributes very little in other categories. But it's all relative. If you're in a certain size league where you need guys who are just point-per-game players, then of course Robert Thomas is valuable. Uh, and I think it seems like, again, 58% of people don't own him right now, 58% of leagues, I should say. And I don't know if they're forgetting what he did last year. He had 45 points in his last 35 games. So he can show when he's really on a heater, he can be quite dominant. And 28 points in his past 27 games. So he's already producing it better than a point per game of late. Or the, the sample size there is a couple months. And it doesn't seem like losing Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko from the lineup is hurting him. He's a puck distributor. He can make others around him better. And I think he's going to be quite a major asset for assists and points going forward. So I think you want to ride that wave. And I think this season is weird because being a point per game player doesn't matter or doesn't, doesn't mean what it used to mean because scoring is up. Uh, but that might be depressing his value a little bit. And I think he's going to be better than a point per game for the rest of the season. So you might want to catch that wave before it gets too high like it did last year. 
All right. And the tip of the week, and this is one where last week I was talking about, hey, I should trade uh, JT Miller and I was trying to make it work out. And then the trade never actually happened because the person I was trying to make a trade with ended up hearing this, uh, hearing what I had to say about him. So this is where you come in. Yeah, this is a thing that happens all the time. I'm, I've am i been guilty of it as well. It's when you're in a trade negotiation with another GM and you're trying to explain why you want this player, but you're also trying to make sure the offer's fair and you start saying negative things about the player you are trying to get. So you're saying, oh, he's a regression candidate. You know, his shooting percentage is high. He's always going to get hurt. You know that injury's coming. Oh, his line mates aren't very good. And then basically you just start trashing the player. And then you have the other... GM might say, well, why do you want this player? You're just telling me all the things that, that I shouldn't like about him. And that's why I should give him to you for free. It just offends the other GM. Then you get this sort of this battle where the other GM is going to start insulting your player. And you're just going back and forth, dumping on the player that you both want. Like you're just lying to each other. And I've said that. I'm like, wait, let's let's just stop dumping on each other's players. Like we want, we're trying to make this trade because we each want that other guy. So stop lying to each other. Be honest, admit that you like this player and that the player has attributes you want. I think the only time that it's fair to criticize a player you're potentially getting in a trade is if someone is really trying to sell you on that player, which can obviously arouse suspicion. If you didn't ask for a certain player and this GM is bringing him to you saying, you really should acquire this guy, then you can say, well, I don't know. What about this and this and this? But when you're trying to get the player, it's just poor form. And then you just get this negative negotiation that leaves a bad taste in, in the other GM's mouth and your mouth, you end up just squabbling and it's just, it's not fun. So don't do it. All right. I like that. That's it for all the, the opening topics. And we have a very special guest today. Yeah, this is a guest. I've been circling this guest for a while, not just in for puck poolies, but in the game of life, because this man, he's one of the most dominant poker players ever. And he's someone who plays fantasy hockey. He's a diehard. I've been trying to recruit him for my own league. And we sort of, there's been a flirtation there. I haven't been able to get him to join, but he is a big fantasy hockey player. Daniel Negreanu is up next. And ta-da, look at that. <laughs> Speak of the devil. There he is. How are you guys doing? Good, Daniel. It's good to it's good to meet you in person. I was just saying before you came on, after several years of like trying to recruit you into my hockey pool, you know, like a little a little courtship there. It's good to to sort of meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely. I've been you know, I've read your stuff for many many years, as you as you know, as a hockey nut. For sure, that's awesome. Well, we won't keep you too long. If you're good to go, we'll we'll launch into it. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I'm ready. Okay, beauty. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, thanks ready? for coming on. Yep, all good to go. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, Daniel, this is Stephen Ellis, by the way. Yep. Nice to What's up, Steven? Not much. How are you doing? You know, chilling. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Okay. We will count it down in five seconds. Welcome back, everyone. He is a six-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, two-time World Poker Tour champion, a diehard fantasy hockey player. It is my pleasure to welcome Kid Poker himself, one of the most dominant players of his generation, Daniel Negreanu. Daniel, it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. How are you doing? Well, it's a pleasure to be here. My favorite thing to talk about by far is fantasy hockey, so much so that I annoy people, right? Like nobody wants to hear my fantasy hockey bad beats, but it feels good to be able to tell them. So let's do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll commiserate together. And, and that's sort of where I want to start because, of course, your background, you're famous for what you've accomplished in poker. But I want to start with hockey because you're obviously a massive diehard. That's why I kind of got on my radar that you're a big fantasy player. But where did your love of just hockey in general start? Is, is it, you know, being a fan as a kid? Is it, is it playing? Did you play organized hockey or just where did it come from? 
Well, you know, being a kid growing up in Toronto, hockey's a big part of the culture. And I remember like bleeding blue and white. I remember crying as a six, seven year old, crying a lot, right? Because, you know, the Maple Leafs back then gave you a lot to cry about. And of course, you know, the, you know, the air, the air of Rick Vive is where I started to become a fan. And then, you know, Wendell Clark was like my hero. And, you know, that era was when I really started to get into hockey. And through that, um, you know, just becoming more interested. And in, I was actually back then I was interested in a lot of sports. Whereas today I'm pretty much just a hockey guy because when you're a kid, you got a lot more time. But now, um, you know, now I'm pretty much just a hockey diehard. Okay. So does that mean, are you part of the 93 heartbreak generation? That's my generation. I was 10 when that game happened then with the Gretzky high stick and Carrie Fraser. Is that, is that sort of your most memorable, devastating moment as a kid? Was that the most memorable? I think so. Because before that, you know, it was just a lot of losing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? But, but that was the first time where we had a team where it felt like, wow, you know, we're actually quite good. You know, we got Felix Potvin in net. Let's go. <laughs> so obviously you, you, you've, your background's poker and everything like that. Uh, snooker cards, poker, whatever like that. But is that kind of what attracted you to fantasy hockey in the first place? Kind of just like games of probability? So I've always been a stats nerd to the point where before video games offered the opportunity where you could just like, play a baseball game and it gives you stats. I did it by hand. My mom was like, what are all these papers, right? And I had all these papers of stats that I would track myself as I played video games. I even created like little tournaments of my own with little wrestlers that I had. So this was innate in me, stats, numbers, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, before fantasy hockey really existed, I think, you know, in the mainstream, I was in a league and I have been with the same guys since 1996. And it's the most fun thing I do of like anything. And I spend thousands and, th and I'm going to get thousands of hours on this league. And it's, it's just time well spent. What was, what was fantasy hockey websites like back then? Or was it like hand track? Like what was that back then? Well, we created our own, right? We created what's called the alternative hockey league, right? Which is 20 odors, five divisions, you know, um, we, we play uh, head to head, but on nights when there's six or more hockey games, but back then in order to input our lineups, we had to leave a message on a, on a, on a voice recorder. So like we had to phone somebody and he had a recorder and he's like, put your lineups in here. Right. Oh, Cause there was no like, yeah. And I remember I had AOL dial up the first time I had a computer and like the main webpage, like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have it start downloading. I'd go have breakfast and I'm like, oh, okay, it's almost done. You know, like half the page, <laughs> downloading, you know, and then you'd hear. Oh yeah, of course. No, I want to see how I did last night. Yeah. And then we would also phone. I think it was the score back then before the score was the score where, you know, you would like watch this TV channel to see scores and see who would score or, or phone a hotline. So yeah, we've come a long way since the late nineties era. No kidding. That's right. I remember it was headline sports before it was even the score. Cause I'm a Toronto guy as well. So I, I remember it very well. Uh, so Daniel, I've been dying to ask you this question specifically. I'm just so curious about how poker translates to fantasy hockey. Are there any skills you've gained from your career that you can actually apply to get better at fantasy hockey and the example i had was like can a fantasy hockey player have a tell because it's not like you can read them at the table and it affects the nhl player performance but if there's any example like that something you applied from poker to fantasy hockey absolutely and i'll tell you why specifically because what we do is we do sort of auction style during the free agent draft but as, as a poker player one of the things that you're comfortable with is numbers statistics math so looking at underlying numbers you know not just seeing like oh this guy scored six goals but yeah but how has he done that oh he had nine shots and scored six times okay probably not going to be able to keep that up so a poker player innately is going to be good at that as far as the auction aspect what we do typically is uh you know we have contracts it's a keeper league of course i have jack hughes until he's 
34 years old. He is going to be on my team till he's 34. <laughs> for real. I was like, I'm, I'm all in on Jack Hughes. Um, but part of what we do sometimes is let's say, for example, there's a free agent available like a Sidney Crosby. You know, he's going to be out there on the market. So getting a sense of how much somebody's willing to spend, right, of their budget. So you start to see they bid and they're like, okay, they one up you. They say 15, you say 16. Getting a sense of like how, how much they're willing to go. And you, because you know how it works in an auction league, for those that don't know, is the more somebody spends on somebody, the better it is for you. However, if sometimes you might get stuck with a guy, if you're just playing, you know, playing games and bluffing, you could get stuck with the player and go, what? What? I don't want Blake Wheeler for 20. No. You know, like, let's cancel. Too late. Yeah, for sure. See, this this is my first year doing an auction league, and I kind of baited this one guy into picking uh, McDavid and Matthews, which, you know, in most pools would be great, but he blew most of his budget where he ended up having to pick Milan Lucic at like the fourth or fifth pick, mostly because we were just thrown out there and he needed players to kind of make that up. So auction leagues are fun. They're also dangerous. Uh, so do you play in any high stakes fantasy hockey leagues? So the, the truth is, for me, it's not about the money. Okay, at all. It hasn't been. The, the league that I'm in since 1996 was a $60 Mayan. A few years ago, we kicked it up to $150, right? Which is like nothing. And within mm -hmm. that league, we create leagues within the league. Like I do every Tuesday night, like so there's 20 or 20 teams in the league. Every Tuesday night, the lowest scoring team are eliminated. So it's survivor night. And if you had the highest score, you get the immunity puck for next week. So you're safe, you know? So we do a lot of fun stuff within that. But again, it's not about the money. Um, it's always just been about the bragging rights and, you know, I'm, I'm like, I've got three AHL titles since 1996 out of 20, which is second most. And I've made it to the finals two years in a row. But this is the year, guys. My team went through a three-year rebuild, and I'm ready. It's it's it, This is the time. Um, I'm jealous. This league sounds awesome. No wonder I haven't yeah. been able to get you to join ours because this is fun. And, like, Tuesdays, sounds, they sound really hardcore. Like, I'd be nervous all day getting ready for the, the Survivor format. That's, that's outstanding. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, Daniel, just about the Vegas Golden Knights, because I know you are a very vocal proponent of just getting them there in the first place. And you've been passionate just in your tweeting and talking a lot about the team since they've arrived. Uh, I always I always thought of you as like the most perfectly qualified Golden Knights fan because you're the perfect merger of the two worlds, right? Poker, Vegas and hockey and fanhood coming from Toronto. So I'm curious, just what has your experience been like in this first half decade and just seeing the team rise up and and has has the fanhood changed for you since that first crazy year? You know, unfortunately, a lot has changed here. I mean, it was a storybook Cinderella thing, right? Where, you know, people were writing pieces about the Golden Knights saying that this would be the like epically the worst team in history, right? Like there was a Deadspin article that showed all the reasons why it'd be the worst team in history. Not only were we not the worst, we won the division, we went to the finals, you know, had a, had a real chance, you know, uh, to, to win against Washington, um, you know, and it didn't come through. But then what happened, you know, like it seemed like the entire league and everybody was kind of rooting for us, except those that were jealous. Oh, you know, the, the same people that were saying it's going to be the worst team in the league saying, not fair, the rules gave you guys a great team. I'm like, you didn't think so at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah. What this team proved, you know, is like with a coach that they believe in, which was Gerard Gallant, and a group of misfits who all have something to prove. And there's really less, you know, it's less about ego. It's less about anybody sticking out. The way in which the team's payroll and structure is kind of, you know, across the board pretty, pretty similar. And then you have at the forefront, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, the most likable hockey player in the world. Like he just is like everybody oh, yeah. loves Flurry. He's a glue guy, not about his ego. He keeps the locker room fun and whatnot. And I remember that first year when we got Ryan Reeves, you know, this, this wasn't a tough team and they brought Ryan Reeves in the first game. He's like knocking out four guys, taking a 15 minutes and misconduct penalties and everyone in the crowd's going, wait a minute, what was this? What's going on here? 
He settled in a couple games in, and he also became part of the glue. What happened with that glue and that core, the nucleus, the most beloved players on that team were shipped away unceremoniously in really kind of like, I guess, ways that really upset the fan base. You know, first it was Gerard Gallant, who, you know, just took his team to the playoffs two years in a row, was scheduled to be the all-star coach, and then they lost four games in a row, and you chopped the head off Gallant. You're like, whoa, what a minute. Then, of course, you have, you know, the whole flurry debacle, you know, with bringing in DeBoer, who was, you know, a guy who was at odds with Gallant, and then, you know, the most popular players in Alex Tuck, Nate Schmidt. I mean, literally, if you thought, if you go down the list of, like, who sells the most jerseys, they're next up on, on the block, right? So yeah. the team changed. No longer was it this team of misfits. Now, all of a sudden, you're bringing in $10 million players like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Petrangelo, and then, of course, the big Jack Eichel deal. So it's completely changed, and I think a lot of fans are just upset with, with how things have rolled out. You know, and, you know, they've struggled the last – well, they struggled last year through injuries, and that's obviously part of it. But you also traded for a guy who was going to be out till February. So you, you sort of took that on your own. You, know, you have to take responsibility for that as well. So you'll see kind of these these famous bad beats at the poker table. But do you have any memorable bad beats playing fantasy hockey? Oh, so many bad beats. I, okay, I'm just going to tell you this year. This year, my team on average scores the most of anyone in the league. I'm number one, okay? So there's 20 teams in the league, right? Now, I've had, so in our league, three. So basically 2.91 goals scored against, right? Myself and four other teams in the league average that or better, right? But against me, all the drudges of the world, they just seem to score in bunches. So like, <laughs> I've had real bad luck on those nights, um, you know, and obviously losing the finals two years in a row. But yeah, that, that like, it's silly to say, but like, I get more emotionally invested with fantasy hockey bad beats than poker because like poker is what I do for a living. You know, but fantasy hockey, like you see sometimes I had one, uh, this is, this was the one I can't even remember the name, but I had like Crosby. This was this year, Crosby, Robertson, uh, Hughes, and like five, six guys like that against the guy whose lineup was like his best. He, he was a bad team. His best player was like, uh, Thomas Novak in Nashville. Okay. And like, I had all my guys going, all I needed was an assist and they all got blanked. And it was like, we figured out the odds. I think someone figured out the odds because we're math nerds. And it was something like 7 million to one. That I <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, wow. I, I feel it. As someone who just lost his fantasy football championship because of Nick Foles, because, because Nick Foles, he, he got negative points and that made a different team make the final. And then I lost to that team instead of the team that should have been going to the final. I I, I know what that feels like. I, I had a, a bad beat in 2013 where I was – I was trying to to flip the assists category in the final, and I dropped I dropped Andy McDonald. No, I dropped Jonathan Huberto for Andy McDonald. Jonathan Huberto got two assists on the final day of the season, and I lost assists by one. So I cost myself a championship. Andy McDonald, if you're out there, you cost me a championship. <laughs> Still sticks with me. Bad management. Uh, That's all on you. Yeah. Own that. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're right. It is. It's all. It's, I got to own it forever. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Daniel, about the poker boom because. People talk about it, you know, going back to Chris Moneymaker in the early 2000s. But there's also this tie-in, I find, especially in Canada, because during the 0405 lockout, of course, like TSN networks like that started airing a lot more poker to sort of fill the time. And then there was this huge uptick in poker interest, I, I noticed being a Canadian university student at the time. And I'm curious, did what was it like to experience that on your end? And is it fair? Do you think there was a poker boom during the lockout? And just any experiences you could share from that time? 
yeah, on a personal level, it was massive for me because I played a tournament before the lockout where the entire tournament I'm on TV and I was wearing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Maple Leafs jersey, right? So, like, it's nonstop on Sportsnet and all the networks, and they're, like, constantly showing that because, obviously, there's no hockey to watch. And I think a lot more people are at home twiddling their thumbs thinking of what to do. And then I think for obviously a lot of Toronto fans and seeing me in that jersey, uh, was like, oh, wait, you know, we got to root for that guy, right? Because, you know, he, he's, he's the Canadian. Um, but I definitely think specifically in Canada, um, you know, that lockout led to it, – it was happening anyway globally. Mm -hmm. But in, in Canada, it's only emphasized even more so by the fact that people's eyeballs on the networks that they typically watch hockey are being inundated with poker. Mm -hmm. So now that there's an NHL team in Vegas and obviously the last couple of years, do players ever come to you for poker or any card game advice? Uh, there's only one who's been a buddy of mine ever since he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and that's Phil Kessel, right? He's playing here with, you know, for the Vegas golden Knights right now. And, you know, he loves to play Potlum at Omaha and stuff like that. Um, and we talk hands and stuff like that and strategy. And he's, it's kind of like his poker is very similar to his hockey in that he's very streaky. I mean, if you look at him career wise, like he gets, he gets into his head sometimes where if he's like, you know, in a, in a, in a, just not, you know, hitting a lot of posts and stuff, he's like, bro, I can't catch a break. I can't win a pot. And then he'll say the same about poker. So there's a lot of similarities in the way that he approaches it, but he's very resilient. Like he finds a way, you know, obviously his start here in Vegas hasn't been ideal. You know, he's sort of been, you know, kind of on the third line, but sort of with different line mates every game and, you know, struggling, you know, to sort of fit into the system as of yet. But, uh, I know he's a resilient guy and he's a guy that I'm happy to have here. Like he actually makes it easier to root for the team, you know, just having him on there. For sure. And I'm with you, Daniel. I've sort of been viewing the Vegas Golden Knights as the team that kind of treats players like cattle is how I put it in recent years. So I, I feel for any, any fan of, of, of the Golden Knights, it's probably harder to cheer for them now than it was in the past. Uh, Daniel, I think that's it for today, but Thank you so much for coming on. It's awesome. I've been wanting to talk fantasy hockey with you for a long time. And maybe you're still my white whale. I'll try to get you <laughs> into the Lark Canada Hockey League one of these years. But for now, enjoy what sounds like an awesome You know league. what? Send me the rules now, and I'm going to prepare, and I'm going to study for it so I can dominate your league. I want to know what guy. You're not using penalty minutes, are you? <laughs>
<laughs> no, we're not. No, we cut. We got rid of them years ago. No, that we're is, banger. No. We're, we're hits. Like here. Blocks. Oh, my guy did something stupid. Here's a couple points for you. No, exactly right. You don't want to. You don't want to reward that. So I, I'm with you. If that's that's a selling point. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the categories. Please do. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Daniel. You got it. All right. That's it. Thanks so much. All right. You got it, guys. That was awesome, man. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was fun. All right. And I'll 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 be able to do your league next year. Okay. Well, keep we we uh the right now we, it's there's always like a waiting list if somebody drops out or if there's like a controversy somebody leaves. But yeah. we'll, I'll keep you in mind next time we have okay. a how spot. Many, how many teams in your league? We have 16 right okay. now. Mm-hmm. And we, we have 16. We have one celeb. We have Michael Bublé's in there. He's he's always at the heart of all the controversy. He's just right <laughs> in the thick of it at all times. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Bye. That was awesome. Yeah, he was really good, eh? That was that was excellent. Yeah, uh, I uh, I want to lead it off actually after this because I want to add something to what he said at the very end. Okay, but perfect. I, I just want to share a fun story of the, uh, and I think I may have shared it on the Hockey News podcast, but it was the uh, the year where I picked Jody Shelley first overall in the draft, and yeah. Evgeny Malkin did not go drafted, and that was the year I think he was the top scorer. Okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, so yeah. in five, and then go yep. for it. All right, Matt, I'm going to switch things up. Usually you lead in after the guest, and Daniel was fantastic, but I want to share a story because he he mentioned kind of something about penalty minutes being a part of fantasy hockey, and it's something where uh, back, I want to see, I can't remember the year specifically, but it was the year when like Evgeny Malkin was like either first or second in scoring, and we, we really put an emphasis on too many categories, and one of them was penalty minutes. So this is back in the days when guys would go out there and get 200 penalty minutes. And I went out there and picked Jody Shelley first overall. And I think it was at the Blue Jackets at that time. And uh, Jody Shelley was not a good hockey player from a, from a, you know the important parts of the game, the goals and assists, but he got lots of penalties. Um, so my fantasy league did not go that well. That year also, I believe it was both Jerome McGinley and Malkin didn't get drafted because it was a, a salary cap league. And at the time, we were using real NHL salaries. And so you 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 wouldn't pick really good players because you were trying to build a team that made sense from a fantasy perspective. That also, uh, it's again had to be salary cap compliant at the time when the cap wasn't that high. So like two of the best players in the league that you just didn't, they weren't in it. But you know Jody Shelley was. You're no stranger to the zany zany league. I, I was in a fantasy football league once where I tried to tell the commissioner right before the draft. I was like, dude, you look at your scoring systems. Kickers are worth more than literally every other player. And, like, and he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. And then I just drafted the best kicker, whoever it was at the time. And then I won the league and the kick, my kicker scored more points than like Ladanian Tomlinson. It was so dumb, but I proved them right. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's like uh, my, my league this year. It's like, you almost like there's a better, like if, if you don't have two goalies playing, drop a defenseman and just lose that extra roster spot to bring in a goalie. All, all our goalies this year are just dominant. Like if you look at the top guys to add and it's like the top eight are goalies and some of them are even backups on their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, let's switch gears now to talk some prospects, Stephen. Who do you have your eye on this week as somebody to watch for in the call-up zone? Well, I'm going to go with somebody who just got sent down and actually just got traded, Shane Wright. And this is a guy that I... I, I still believe he was the best prospect from the 2022 draft. And obviously now he's going to the, to the OHL, uh, going to Windsor after getting traded from Kingston. And this is someone when he's confident, very few players can play at the level he can. Um, the way he thinks the game is so smart. And I've been beating the drum on him, you know, uh, 
Defensively, I think he continues to get better. Uh, didn't go out there and blow anybody offensively away from the World Juniors, but I think the issue was also Connor Bedard just did what Connor Bedard does, and it made it unfair for everybody else. Because I thought Shane Wright still had a pretty solid tournament. He had a very good championship game. It was like when they needed him to play well, he did. So I think right now is a good time to buy low on Shane Wright. This, I think if he was going to be going back to the NHL, he would have played some games, but there was no real reason to rush him back. Let's just make it so you know he played only eight games, move the, the contract back next year, the entry-level slide, uh, and let him go and play for a championship. He'll have that now in the OHL. Uh, I think that's great. Get that confidence back. He just won the juniors, and he was playing really good hockey in AHL before that. So I think his confidence is getting to a good level. But if you don't kind of follow a lot of junior hockey, you might just think this is a huge demotion, and I don't necessarily think it is. I think this is just a chance for him to show really what he's capable of. And... I think you could buy low on him. And uh, I think a lot of people, again, who don't follow prospects will say, oh, like this is one of the top prospects. He was ranked as number one heading into the draft, didn't go to number one, and then didn't play well. Is he a bust? I don't think so. I still think there's a very bright future for Shane Wright, and I think you should uh, get on him right now if you can. So I'm curious then, Stephen, if Shane Wright doesn't dominate the rest of the year, because he was very hard on himself. I remember being there at the draft and he was hard on his own play last year at major junior. If he doesn't absolutely just look like a man among boys the rest of the year, are you then worried about his long-term prospects? See, that's the thing that this team is, he's going to a Spitfires team that's had no issues scoring. So I, I think I, I'm not, I'm still not concerned. We're still talking about a guy, you know, he's just 19 years old. Like I'm not, this is, this is still a guy that for years we were hearing his name. So uh, let's not forget. And, and this is not, exclusive to him but a lot of prospects a lot of prospects did miss an entire year of hockey due to COVID, and i felt like he had to play too much catch-up i think if if he had that extra year i think we're not we're still talking about a guy that does go first overall and there's no concern about his play um but i i, I still I, i'm confident that he's gonna go right into that top six that's already really good um for the windsor spitfires and i think that he's gonna have no problem uh being a star player Okay, I think you're right, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens the rest of the year. Now let's switch over to our best bets segment presented by, of course, ProLine Plus. First, a word from our lovely sponsor. ProLine Plus is not just another sports, but being the only one that gives 100% of profits back to Ontario, back to the government. It is your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years now, offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app. With your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips, download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. And as I always do, Stephen, I do head over to the ProLine Plus app and I find what I think is an exciting bet. And it's funny, I was already eyeing this one. Uh, it, it wasn't ready in the app yet, so by the time you're listening to this episode, it should be there um, because you can't always look set, like too many days ahead. But I was looking at the Oilers and Ducks on Wednesday night, and that was before the Oilers got embarrassed by the LA Kings on Monday night. So now you have an angry Oilers team, an embarrassed Connor McDavid going to play the Anaheim Ducks, the team that leads the NHL in shots allowed, chances allowed, high danger chances allowed per 60 minutes of five on five. So the worst defensive team in the NHL across the board against angry, embarrassed Connor McDavid. Oh my God. So I'm not just looking at a traditional bet like a money line, something like that. I'm looking at a special bet, and this one is called Race to Five Goals. So 
you're going to get much better odds on that, much better return if you place that bet on the Oilers to be the first team to score five. They might get five in the first period, man, the way this game is setting up. So I really like that bet. It's a fun bet, too. You get to watch the game and cheer for the Oilers to score five times, which I, I really think they have an, a, a realistic chance to do it. Just the, the conditions are absolutely perfect for the Oilers to go nuclear against those poor Anaheim Ducks. So that is my bet, Steven. I don't think Anaheim Ducks fans will find that a lot of fun unless, you know, you actually want to make some money. I feel like this is a pretty solid bet. Also, last week, you predicted Latvia to beat Austria, which was not a crazy prediction by any means, but they did. It was free money. Like I said, I was due for a win. My first couple betting segments were embarrassingly bad. I, I It was a swing and a miss, but it was free money last week. I think this five-goal thing for Edmonton, it's not quite free money, but I think it's it's a fun and it's a realistic bet. I would not want to bet against it. Mm -hmm. so. okay well let's switch gears again steven it's time for some listener questions and what do you have for us all right our first question comes from steven lalonde what should i do with kochekov it's funny this is one of the questions i've been asked the most all season long it's come up in the fantasy mailbag we knew we do with nick alberga on, on daily faceoff i think it's come up multiple times uh and it makes sense because you have this weird log jam situation with freddie anderson anti ranta and, and anderson's coming back soon from his injury and what makes it complicated of course is that uh kachekov is waiver exempt he's the only one of the three who is so it stands to reason when those two come back he's the only one they can send down to the ahl that said if you have a bench i hope you have a bench if you're a kachekov owner i really hope you have a bench because you do want to hold on to him i just think he's been too good to not be part of their plans they've also re-signed him to that extension paying him two million dollars a year so he's clearly someone they see as part of the long-term solution there and i do wonder if in real life we're going to see a trade maybe of anti-ranta to make room for kachekov to stick going forward because maybe he's going to be their starter for the playoffs so i think if possible you want to hang on to him if you're in a shallow league and you don't have a bench maybe you have to cut bait and unfortunately drop him if he does get demoted but otherwise i would stay the course because i do think he's being established as their goalie of the future especially with ranta and anderson both pending ufas is he a starting goalie next year for the Carolina Hurricanes? I think he is. I've had to make the bet right now based on what he's shown, looking really poised, thrust into the playoffs last year as a third stringer and being probably the best rookie goalie in the league this year, and that includes Logan Thompson. Then, yeah, I think he's the starter next year. All right. I like it. Reese's Cleese's fantastic name. Uh, which goalie would you keep the rest of the year, Matt Murray or Darcy Kemper? Well, Reese's Cleese's, you got a great name. But uh, I think you've had too many Reese's Cleases because this is, I don't think, a very difficult question to answer here. <laughs> there you go. Steven's got some in his room. Um, to me, it's it's no contest here. Uh, the Leafs, yes, they are a better defensive team than Washington. They're one of the better defensive teams out there. Um, but there's just so many other reasons to prefer Kemper. Matt Murray, of course, has that rich injury history. He His play has started to tail off of late. Uh, and he's in much more of an even split with Ilya Samsonov, whereas Darcy Kemper has more of the net to himself. Charlie Lindgren is a good backup, but he's not a threat for starting duty. And Kemper's just been really good. I think the last I checked, his save percentage was 920. So he plays more than Murray. He's less of an injury risk, and he's been arguably better than Murray anyways. So to me, this is quite an easy choice. And don't spend too much time worrying about it. Just go Kemper. Yep, I like that one. Uh, next question comes from Samuel Cross. Lucas Raymond hasn't been as good as a sophomore as he was as a rookie. What are your long-term expectations for him? I want to hold on to him as one of my keepers. Yeah, it's a tough one. He has been a bit confounding this year, and I am a big fan of his. Uh, and he's just a really intelligent player, dynamic player. I've mentioned before on some of our other shows that I did a, a long story about 
Lucas Raymond uh, when, when I was still with the Hockey News and I talked to uh, Jeff Blaschel about it. I talked to just different members of the organization to learn more. I think it was Sean Horkoff I talked to as well to learn about just how they feel about Lucas Raymond and they love him. They just think he's so studious and confident and I just think he's a dynamic player. To me, he's going to be a regular 80-point guy in the NHL. Maybe not that much more than that because of his two-way game, so it could be sort of a Henrik Zetterberg type of career for Lucas Raymond. Um, I'm disappointed in that regression for sure. But if you just look at the Red Wings roster, yes, they added a lot in the summer and they're on the rise. They have some great prospects. But just the overall talent at forward, it still has a long way to go. I still think that Lucas Raymond will gradually get better help around him and his numbers will go up. So he's just 20 years old. Uh, last I checked, his pace was 50 points. It's not terrible for a sophomore, especially as young as he is. So uh, I, I think he is a hold if you have him in a keeper league. And if you don't have him in a keeper league, I think it's a great time to buy low. In my own league, he was dropped, which shocked me. And then he got scooped, of course, by one of the shark GMs that had a high waiver priority. Uh, so I, I would not give up on him. And he's still on pace for 50 points this year. And like, again, a couple good games could change that. And maybe he's closer to that 57 game pace. So, uh, well, it's a slight step down and not an improvement like you would expect in a second year player. I I'm not worried one bit. This is a guy that, you know, he, I, I think what we saw last year to me was a bit of a surprise. I thought he was going to be one of the best prospects, but this was a guy that still wasn't trusted by his own like Swedish league team to play a lot of minutes and then was instantly thrust into a top scoring role with the Detroit Red Wings in the NHL. So I feel like that was a bit more of an anomaly and this is kind of what we should have expected at this point. So I'm not worried, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, Detroit's got a good one on their hands. And I believe the last question comes from Jared Kruger. Do you think Bo Horvat can sustain his high scoring rate past this season? I believe right now he's on pace for like 60 something goals. Uh, is this just another case of a pending free agent trade target turning on the Jets or is he finally becoming the real deal? Yeah, it's funny. Next to Kachekov, this is probably the other question I've been asked about most this year, and there's no chance that he sustains this. So his career high is 31 goals and he's on pace for our last Last I saw it was 61, so Thor Horvat doubling his career high in goals, which he only just set last year, and he's in, what, year eight or nine of his career? Uh, and I, I say that with the disclaimer that he has improved a lot. He's sort of found his role in the NHL as a goal scorer on the power play, a net front front presence who's really strong in the bumper role, as Frank Saravalli wrote in his analysis on Daily Faceoff this week about Bohorvat being traded. So I do think he's leveled up as a player, and I think he could be a 30, 35-goal player for several more seasons. That's possible, but 60 goals, like, what is going on? And, and it's right there on the page in the shooting percentage. It's 24.4%. His career is 14.1%. I think the highest career shooting percentage in NHL history is, I don't know, it's like, or at least in this generation, it's like 17 or 18 or something. I think it's Stamkos or maybe Drysaddle. Uh, but 24.4, that's impossible. There's, there's just mathematically, he cannot sustain this pace. So he is a huge regression candidate. He's a massive sell high. And it doesn't mean he's going to have a bad year or a bad finish to the season. He might just score at a 30-goal pace in the second half rather than a 61-goal pace. What? Are you kidding me, man? So, yeah, sell him if you got him. So, all right, that's it for the questions. Okay, we're going to finish it off, of course, with the starting lineup. And if you are familiar with Stephen Ellis's work and his hockey-adjacent work, he, of course, is the king of the doodle drawings to sort of show highlights in the middle of a game. He also is the king of finding really weird, obscure versions of hockey that aren't always even played on ice. So I want, Stephen, I want you to give me your top six non-traditional versions of hockey. 
Well, I'm going to start it off with the one that I played the most and I'd say I was the biggest fan of, and it was ball hockey, which is not totally crazy, but I, I've played against some pretty quality players uh, in ball hockey, including Connor McDavid in one game. So uh, I could say ball hockey is something I absolutely love. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with unicycle hockey. And I did write a story about that a couple of years ago. And uh, the one thing they do is they, they play on unicycles and unsurprisingly, at least the Toronto chapter, which is one of the biggest chapters of unicycle hockey, was started by a former clown. So, you know, there's that. Uh, but they actually light the ball on fire sometimes and will play with it like that. I don't know why, but it looks really cool. I have some cool pictures I took of that. I actually am probably the only person with a 360 video YouTube video of people playing that. I put it in the middle of this game, and guys were deking past my very expensive camera, which I don't know if I was what was going on in my mind that I wanted to put an expensive camera between a bunch of people on unicycles, but I did anyways. <laughs> uh, number three, I'm going to go with mini sticks. Uh, way too much fun playing that growing up. Uh, I used to have fantastic tournaments. I had an Olympic style tournament where we, it was like, I think there were six of us and we made up a group of like 16 teams. We had to play each other all the way to the final. And it was Canada versus Scotland in the final. And Scotland beat Canada this one year. I was Canada. My brother was Scotland. Uh, he scored a super sweet goal didn't matter uh next one i will go with is foot hockey and this is one we used to play all, all the time in elementary school it's basically just soccer at that point but it's a tennis ball uh we had like a little court and we had these epic battles between the grade eights and the grade sevens but the grade sevens were all these guys playing triple a or double a and, and the grade eights were all these kids playing house league so one group was definitely more athletically inclined than the other, but the battles were great. Uh, no sticks involved, just kicking the ball. It was it was pretty intense. Uh, then there's inline hockey, which I think is quite cool. Maybe not as crazy, um, but it's something where I, I didn't realize, but Connor Bedard actually was playing in an in inline championship a couple years ago, so that's pretty cool. A lot of NHL prospects do both. My, uh, Michael Misa is a name you're all going to be hearing about in 2025. This is a guy that was a inline hockey star. And I'm going to finish it off with underwater hockey. I was waiting for that one. Don't want to because I had to save it for last. I don't exactly want to explain <laughs> that one other than it's very complicated. It's not a great uh, spectator sport. I went and watched two of the best teams in Canada play and I had no idea what was going on. There is a version that I've seen played in Europe where I say play with two guys in a video, but literally upside down on ice like uh, and they were playing underwater while under ice and it was it was crazy so uh i'd say those are some of the, the more uh unique versions of hockey they're all a lot of fun and uh i uh, i'd say go watch a unicycle hockey game if you ever get a chance well those are some great picks and underwater hockey i would just take penalties left and right because i assume the ref can't see it unless the ref is like in a scuba suit underwater he probably the ref probably would have to be to be able to, to catch refs it, right? the, the the i don't know if the, i don't know about refs but i know that the game is played very tightly and also like you can only be underwater for a few seconds before you die so you just yeah. got to get up there so <laughs> plays take a while to develop they're not really high scoring games yeah you're just like yeah that would be tough Foot hockey also forever in my heart. And it's weird because even though you could say it's just soccer, if somehow it wasn't like it was played, it was so different. Yeah. Differently. Yeah. It was like there's body checking and just the way you move the ball was more hockey strategy. Like you do like one timers and stuff. Like I don't know why it was different, but, and we, we used to allow our goalie could have a mini stick, like a goalie mini stick. He'd be oh, have see for us it was depending on the weather it'd be like they take their coat off and that was their like blocker and glove but we actually got a tennis ball we got tennis balls banned in our elementary school because of this game uh it was it was cool because eventually they got unbanned and then the principal came and watched our big championship game which was really cool like it was way too intense for what, what we were doing but it was it was like we all looked forward to it 
All right. Well, thank you for sharing that story about foot hockey. Always near and dear to my heart. And thank you, Stephen, for this episode. Thank you to Daniel Negreanu for coming on as a great guest. Thank you to ProLine. And that's it for this week. Keep watching. Keep listening. We'll keep bringing the fantasy hockey tips for you. Awesome. I think that was the best episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe just like flow and like. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.